Good morning. We are Larry and Jane Dykus, long-term members of the choir. Let us stand for the reading of God's word. Our New Testament reading today is found in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13, the passage in which Jesus teaches us to pray. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also are to forgive our debtors. And lead us not into places of temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our Old Testament reading is from Proverbs 30, 7 through 9, a prayer of a man named Agur that sounds much like the prayer of Jesus. Lord, I ask you for two things. Don't refuse me before I die. Keep lies far away from me. Don't make me either poor or rich, but give me only the bread I need each day. If you don't, I might have too much. Then I might say, I don't know you, Lord. I might say, who is the Lord? Or, if I might become poor and steal, then I would bring shame to the name of my God. This is the word of God, the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you, Larry and Jane. I I just need to tell you, these faithful people, Larry has been the president of the Lions Club International for the past several years and just lives faithfully for the Lord. I'm so thankful for wherever God has put us uh, to represent him. I I just got in yesterday morning at 2 a.m. Chris and I were in Washington, D.C. all week, and I wanted to to ask for pity that I might fall asleep with some of the rest of you during the sermon. Um, And then my own sermon convicted me about complaining about this, about what some people call first world problems. I'll get to that in just a moment. So I'm just going to tell you I am so thankful to be here. Uh, uh, In Washington, I was there as a part of the Wheaton College Board, and we were meeting with our government officials and many uh, non-governmental leaders, too, um, who talked to us about what Christian organizations and Christian churches should expect to be facing uh, in the future. It was really quite insightful. In, in the midst of all of it, uh, at lunchtime on Thursday, I had the privilege of going to the uh, famous Metropolitan Club uh, there in Washington, D.C., and getting to hear and to meet David Brooks. Uh, do any of you know that name, David Brooks? He is the op-ed uh, columnist for the New York Times. He's a Yale uh, professor. And he's written many uh, wonderful books. And his newest one is called The Role of Character. And this is where he started. He wanted to talk about virtues and virtues, is what I say. Virtues and virtues. Because he divided the kinds of virtues uh, that we might talk about in in a church even into two different kinds. He talked about resume virtues. And then he talked about eulogy virtues. Now, now, now a, a, rev, a resume virtue are those things you either write down on your job resume or, or they might be the things that when you're trying to get into to college or grad school, you, know, you write all of these things that uh, are the skills you possess 
or you think you possess, or, or you're trying to get them to think you possess, <laughs> that might contribute to your success. And, I, and in the roles I've been in, I have read hundreds. I t- I've read hundreds of these, and they're all perfect. All of us are absolutely perfect with our resume virtues. You know, in school, uh, on a 4.0 grade point system, I made a 6.9. And uh, I, I was the captain of the football team, and I was the head cheerleader at the very same time. You know, you get these kind of things. Now, I'm making fun of it maybe more than a little bit, but I think resume virtues are very important. Uh, developing of skills, the things that we've done, uh, they're very, very important. But, but Brooks went back to say there's something that he thinks needs to permeate that, and he called them eulogy virtues, which are deeper. He said these are the things that are at the very core of our being, I mean who we are. And he calls them eulogy, you know, the, the good words that are said at the end of our lives, because he said these are the kinds of things that when it's all over that you're hoping that your children and your friends and your colleagues will have seen in you that are worthy of being remembered. Uh, looking into us and seeing people, he says, who might be kind uh, or loving, uh, people who are faithful. Filled those sorts of things. Do you see the difference between these two uh, resume virtues and eulogy virtues? I want you to see that because then with those things in my mind, I came back to the uh, book of Proverbs. And and I was wanting to talk to you today about the the way the Proverbs talks about the use of money. Because most of the talks and the books that I hear in our day uh, about money always has to do with you know, how we invest it, how we earn it, how we gain it, all these sorts of things. And I also knew that so much of what the book of Proverbs says about money is about that. The, what you call uh, resume virtues. How to live that sort of life. So that I, as I went and I pulled out all the verses about money, it told us things that we might put on a, a, on a resume, such as uh, if you work hard you'll probably gain more money than if you're lazy. It says a lot about that. Do you agree with it? Uh, Proverbs 6, 6 to 11, in case you want to look that up. It, it told us also, it tells us also that uh, get-rich-quick uh, schemes don't usually work. Instead, constancy, you know, faithfulness to the task is usually better for us financially. And Proverbs 13, 11 is one that gets there. And, and it talks a little bit about strategic planning. That a person who plans and, and is disciplined to, to live according to that plan will probably have a more beneficial life financially than a person who just is sort of random uh, each day. I mean, and all those things, when I read Proverbs, they're important uh, for us to put into practice and to learn from. They're, they're paths of wisdom. They're worth thinking about and applying to our lives. And I was really wanting, thinking I would talk about that. But here's what I did. I was listing all these verses... Uh, about money and then I came to the very last one and it's the text that Larry and Jane uh, read for us it's the very last word about money uh, in the book of Proverbs Proverbs chapter 30 verses 7 through 9 and I looked at that and I had to think again about it Uh, I began to see that it's not only about money it is a prayer it is longing for God to do something with this um and, and then I saw it's the only prayer in the entire book of Proverbs. And really what it's talking about is, is what I see are inner eulogy virtues, as Brooks talks about, that need to permeate 
everything else. That all those other things are just techniques unless they flow out of the kind of life that is lived in dependency upon God. So with that in mind, I want you to look at that prayer. I want you to think about whether you'd pray it. So here it is. I've retranslated it. I went back into my Hebrew Bible and tried to look at how this might be read. Here's what he does. Lord, a man named Agur says, I ask you for two things. Before I do, don't, don't refuse me as long as I live and, and keep falsehood or deceit far away from me. Here's the prayer. Don't make me either rich or poor, but give me only the bread I need each day. If you don't, I might have too much. Then I might say, I don't know you, Lord. I might say, who is the Lord? Or I might become poor and steal. Then I would dishonor the name of my God. All right. 11 o'clock, folks. Have you ever prayed that way? I, I have thought about it. I wanted to ask you that question because when I asked myself that question, I thought I haven't ever prayed that way. So I, I was convicted. Um, And then I thought, I have heard a lot of sermons and a lot of prayers about money in my life as a pastor. In fact, sometimes I think the thing we pray about the most is about money. And I've never heard anybody pray this way or ask me to pray for them this way. And then the more I thought, I saw that this prayer, this longing, is really for a way of life with regard to the use of money that will develop those inner eulogy virtues. It's really talking about a a longing and a prayer that we would live in such a way that the inner being would grow in such a way that whatever we do, including our use of money, might bring glory and honor to the Lord. But it's not not the way most people in our world think. Uh, If you weren't here last week, I, I pointed out that when you read Proverbs, it just so often catches us off guard. Sometimes we read it, we don't quite know what to do with it forces us to pull back and think and to pray and this one really catches us off guard this is not the way the world teaches us to think about money and it's not the way we usually do in church either so I think let's chew on that for a while so what's this prayer saying I want to show you how it's structured I I tried to read it so you could see it Uh, there is a deep longing the only prayer in Proverbs Lord I have two requests of you two things I long for makes me ask, what would I ask for? And then before he asks for it, he stops and says, so don't, don't refuse me these things as long as I live, which really he's talking about, I'm going to need you in this way every day of my life. What, what he's praying about is, is a way of approaching each day so that it really becomes a part of our DNA, really what we are with, with regard to money. And then he has a second phrase before he has the prayer. And as I pray, keep falsehood away from me showing us that he was aware that there are two situations in life regarding money in which he knows he could be easily deceived are you with me still so I'll try to summarize here's what he's saying Lord there's some things that I must ask you about if I'm going to honor you I want to live a life of integrity Lord that honors you every day of my life so please please grant these two requests So what does he pray? Don't make me too rich and don't make me too poor. 
The Bible is saying to us that these two paths, these two extremes of extreme poverty or extreme wealth are both situations in which our own deception and falseness are very prone to, to come out in ways that God has dishonored. And, and what he's going to say is that when we're too poor, we, we might um, think that God is incapable of helping us. So I've got to help him out. I'll get that money myself. And, and, and if we're too rich, we might think that God is unnecessary. I don't need him. And both of them, he says, are spiritually lethal. So, so you want to think with me about those for just a few moments too? Well, let's do it. Uh, what are the two dangers? Danger number one. The danger of having too little is that he would disobey God. So you see that first passionate request. Please God, don't let me be too poor. Now, uh, of this prayer, this is the one part I think some of us have prayed. <laughs> Lord, bless me with some money at least. So I thought it reminded me of this old Jewish proverb that's not in the Bible, but I, the Jewish people just have great, great proverbs. It went something like this. Well, poverty is no disgrace, but it's no great honor either. So I like that. But then uh, I think there's more to this prayer than that. It's surely not just saying, Lord, make us all middle class. It has to be more than that. It doesn't sound like the Bible at all. So remember... Um, Agur was praying, Lord, keep falsehood far from me. So he was sure that if he got into a place where he was so poor, destitute, he didn't know where anything was coming from, he would be prone to deception. So then I thought about that. In what ways are we prone to falsehood and deception when we're in extreme poverty? And I can think of two ways. One, when we're in deep, deep need, other people might deceive us and we're really prone to being deceived by them. I'll, I'll tell you, you just read history, read, 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 read uh, sociology. Every culture in history, every culture in our world has predators who just prey upon the poor. Do you know what I mean when I say that? They look at somebody who just doesn't quite know what to do and see great need and then they promise, come on, I can help you out. Uh, get, you get into this job and things will go well and then they get you into a situation where you do what, what you don't want to do or they don't carry through and they abuse you it's just, again I keep looking does this make sense we need to get this uh, th this is what fuels the trafficking industry in our world and in our own neighborhood this is what often fuels uh, uh, pushing of drugs into our schools and into other places. Those who are poor and don't have being trapped into a way of life that they would never have chosen when they were children. And I looked back and I saw one of the Proverbs in particular that had already spoken about this. Proverbs 22.22. 22, just look at this. The, the rich may rob the poor simply because he is poor. Or crush the afflicted at the gate. It just happens all the time, this terrible, evil tendency of when a person is in a very difficult place that those who have often abuse and misuse and deceive the person. The other way that we can be deceived is that when we're in great financial need, we can deceive ourselves. And that really is the main point that Agur makes here. If you look at verse 9, he acknowledges that he sees a deep tendency in the human heart and in his own that when he doesn't have enough money... Uh, he can find an excuse to do some things he shouldn't do. 
So he says, if I'm too poor, I might steal and dishonor the name of my God. Um, so I, I hope you see it, that his, his concern is not simply to get a bit more money. He wants to avoid the temptation, and he knew that in his life, he knew himself well, that in his life, that if he didn't have enough money, he would be tempted to steal. And I'll tell you, do you understand that? It, this starts when we're children. Sometimes children, you think, I don't have any money, and they see a little bit of money on the top of the desk, and then they go and take that. Look, tell me you don't know this. It happens often when we get to work. We, we sit there and say, we're not doing so well. And we have, well, this company's rich. Uh, I can take this. Make an excuse. We can fool ourselves into thinking that that's, that's okay because I'm so poor. I've even seen it uh, in the church. Uh, people who've stolen uh, from the church, even pastors. I used to chair the board of ministerial standing in my uh, denomination. It dealt with pastors and missionaries who had gotten into trouble, and often it had to do with money. And sometimes, in, in times of great need, the pastor or the missionary would begin taking it, and always, as we dealt with the, with the, the discipline in these situations, would, would, would say, oh, I, I, always intended, I always intended to pay it back. I didn't want to keep it. But you go down a path that takes you down so far that it becomes a way of life, and you almost never turn back. The book of Proverbs talks about that all the time. So are you beginning to understand this prayer? Lord, I need to be in those places. I know where I'm tempted. I know myself. I need to be in those places where I will honor you and not disobey you. I really think, if, if I've explained it well enough, that each one of us here can, can relate to this temptation. So I've asked myself, what do you and I learn from this temptation? And I've jotted down two things that I want you to pick up. Number one. That when you find your, yourself in, in a time of any kind of need, financial or otherwise, you have to be very aware of, of your own vulnerability. It's a lot like the message I did last week. If, if you're here, do you remember? As a dog returns to its vomit, so we return back to our foolishness. We've got to be so aware of that foolishness, the places where we get into it. And Agor just knew that in times of, of uh, tremendous poverty, the temptation would be to take it and to find excuses for doing it. So he prays, Lord, please provide enough so that I will be the kind of person who will obey you. So keep me away from those places and those situations where I'm always so vulnerable. Every time I get there, I, I feel so deeply temptations. Well, when I say this, does this sound like another prayer in the Bible? The Lord's Prayer, there's one phrase that often just confuses people. Lead us not into temptation. Jesus teaches us this, but deliver us from evil. That's what he's praying here. Now I'll tell you, I, think, I would think we'd do well if we learned to pray that every day. Lord, I keep getting into a mess when I walk into this situation. Keep me out of that, I pray, Father, for I want to honor you. Second thing I, I think you and I should learn, that in times of need, your deepest desire still should be to please God and to, to honor God. So when he asked, I, I need a little bit of money so I won't steal, his main concern wasn't that he'd get caught and get thrown into jail. I'm sure that's a part of it here, but it's not the main thing. His main thing is that he wants to keep God's commands. And, and he knew that God had specifically said, you shall not steal. There's, um, there's one of the Ten Commandments. Do you know which one? This is our 11 o'clock quiz, just to see if you're awake. 
today. Anybody know which one that is? It's not the first. I'll tell you. It's the eighth. I'm just playing with you here for a minute. But, God, but he knew that. And his deepest longing, and the last phrase that he uses in the prayer, he wanted to honor God. So this whole matter is, is always more about a relationship with God than it is about legality or even our own personal integrity. He really, I mean, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we, we look at that and we say, what on earth is that talking about? And here you just see his fear of displeasing God was even greater than his fear of being poor. He just wanted to honor the Lord with his life. And that is one of the things I want us already to learn from this. Praying, Lord, I need you every day of my life. So even in my time of need, I don't want to mess up by breaking your commands. So when we have too little, we're prone toward disobedience. You see it? Now the second danger. Here I go to meddling with many of us here. Preachers like that, but I I have no joy in it really. Uh, The danger of having too much. The danger of having too little is disobeying God. The danger of having too much is disowning God or disregarding God. So this second passionate request, Lord, please protect me from having too much money. Now I'll ask you again, have you ever prayed that? I I can imagine all of us praying, deliver me from poverty. But I think, Lord, deliver me from money. Lord, I have too much. Save me, Lord. Save me. I don't think you've prayed that. I don't think so. But again, it's this matter of longing to please God and knowing where we're we're vulnerable. He, He recognized the danger of always having as much as he needed and even more would lead him to, to leave God out of his life and, and, and become more and more self-centered and, and self-sufficient. Because that little phrase, it's so concise, it is so clear, it's so powerful. If you gave me too much every day, I might say, I don't know you, God. You might not say that as an 11 o'clock church attender, but many times we live that way, don't we? I, I might say, who is the Lord? I mean, who really needs him? So here is a principle. It's made throughout the Bible, and it's especially made by Jesus, and particularly in the Gospel of Luke, that money has power. And it has a way, and it has the power to make us rely on God less and less and less. The more successful we are, the more we tend not to fall in dependence upon God. We we can live every day without any reference to God. We can even go days without praying and, and, and I've just seen it, that of all the things that can make us uh, break the first commandment, uh, nothing in the place of God, it just seems to me money is one of the biggest ones. Do I need to say anything more about this? I, I doubt it. But you already know I'm going to, don't you? Uh, so let's try to bore down on this just a little bit. So many of you here at Lake have told me about family members or friends that you're trying to witness to. But so often you you encounter this, people who just think, I'm doing fine on my own. You might need God. Why do I need God? So just as this this week I got to hear from the Pew Research Center, the people who did this major, the two main researchers who did this major study on religion in America. I'll I'll talk more about it in in the future. And they talked about the fact that there's a growing number of people um, that, that don't go to any kind of organized religion, but it's not that they're atheists. It's just that 
that they, they haven't found it in, in the places where we hope people will meet God. Um, and so we have many people, almost all people, have a sense that there might be a God, but they think they're just doing fine without him. That, that's what he's getting at here. Okay, I've got to stop, have a stop thinking about them. What about you? When things are going well, don't you sometimes feel you're, more, you're secure? You're sufficient? Sometimes admired by the people who see you, empowered? So, so when that things are going well, do you come to that place where you just know, I desperately need God. Lord, I can't make it through this day without you stepping in and being there. Uh, and, and it's that self-sufficiency that keeps us, from, that keeps those eulogy virtues from developing within us when we depend upon God and walk day by day with Him. Now, how can you tell if this is starting to happen in you? And this is where I think this subtle way of, of being able to, to see it is you and I become more and more concerned with what so many in our people, world are calling first world problems. You know, those, those are the problems that people who have enough money or more than they need, that, boy, they complain about things. They're not the, rest of the, the way the rest of the world sees problems. So I found a drawing here that I think helps you to kind of see what I'm talking about. Um, so the real problems, hunger, cholera, uh, rape, war, those kind of things. First world problems. Man, oh man, I had to park all the way across the street at Gateway. Can you believe it? Oh, that show I wanted to watch isn't in HD. I've got to watch on this funny, fuzzy screen for a long time. I can't even see the Dodgers. Lord, help, help me. There's too much goat cheese in the salad. <laughs> oh, I'm so frustrated. I can't decide which Instagram filter to use on my selfie. Maybe for those of us who are older, oh, I've got two homes now. It's so stressful to take care of them both. I uh, see it, it becomes so easy for us when we have a lot, only to come to God to give us more things and not to realize that all that we are, He has made, all that we have, He has entrusted to us so that we have to live day by day by day in dependence and trust upon the Lord for all that we are and all that we have. I, just, I, I think the prayer is that you and I will never... Never take the Lord for granted. That we'll never fail to see that every good gift, every good gift that you and I have, it's all come from Him. The, the minds to be able to complete our education, the bodies to be able to engage in sports, all these, all these things that we are, all these things that we have, they're simply God's gifts to us. Therefore, we have this humble spirit that always wants to use whatever He's given us to honor Him and to praise Him. Have you ever thought about the fact that some things that you and I most long for and pray for may put us in places that are the worst for us spiritually? Do I need to say that again? I think sometimes we are praying, God, I want to be there, I want to do that. And that may be the place that's worst for us spiritually. Uh, so I've written down, it, it's not always comfortable. But sometimes not having all the resources we want is the best place to be with regard to developing eulogy virtues, with regard to our walk with God. All right, so I need to bring this home. I need to bring this home. Um, I ask myself, so what are the keys to praying about money, according to Proverbs? And I'll, I'll say this to you, too. I've been in a number of churches. I grew up in a little church in West Virginia where we didn't have very much money, none of us, my family or anybody else. 
it would have been more that they would have resonated with this thing don't make me too poor today um, another church that I pastored was in a business community in the northwest suburbs of Chicago almost all the people were business people and they were, we didn't have to have year end appeals for giving uh, there there was just so many races there uh, here at Lake Avenue Church we're everything I thank God for it and, and economically uh, we have some who have been so tremendously blessed uh, financially, I mean, in that kind of blessing, and then others who God sends into our community by His grace who are at a place where it's almost impossible. We, we, haven't, we have everything in between. So just knowing that that's who we are and, and what our community is, I, uh, I said, Lord, what, what would say something to each one of us from this powerful, powerful set of verses? And I, I have two things I want to say to you. The key one, I want you to learn to pray in such a way that you live each day dependent upon the Lord. See, at the very center of this prayer, at the very center of this prayer, in verse 8b, is this phrase, give me only the bread I need each day. Each day. I want to know that if I have it, you have given it, it's by your grace. If I don't, I'm going to ask you and trust you for it. Does this sound like another prayer you hear anywhere else? I just got to ask, don't you think Jesus perhaps in teaching us to pray was drawing upon this prayer? Because in that, it's that prayer, give us today our daily bread. How many of us pray that? Well, today I want cinnamon and raisin bread. I'm tired of that other stuff. And an omelet wouldn't be bad either. Uh, I only know because I know myself. The Lord has been dealing with me with this text. I'll just tell you with that. You see, what the, the Bible is talking about here is living our lives again, knowing that it's all come from Him. So we have to trust Him to provide, and when He does, to learn to be grateful and humble and wanting to use it in the ways that He would have us to use it. And I've thought God doesn't generally want to be a Costco or Sam's Club to us. He doesn't usually want to just dump things on us in bulk. I'm going to give you a thousand rolls of, of toilet tissue here. It's just, just to think about the way that he trained his people in the wilderness to know that he was there and to trust him. Uh, when they didn't have any food to eat in the midst of a desert, he provided daily manna for them. And I, some of the people you know, just like us, they were tempted, oh, I think I'll gather up a little bit more because it might not come tomorrow. But do you remember what happened? You may not know this story, but what happened when they gathered up too much, the stuff rotted. He was wanting to develop this, this walk, this you know, down a path, this daily matter of knowing that he was there and knowing that whatever happens, they could trust him and, and, and thanking him when he does. That's, and that's what he wants us to do in giving us this prayer here as well. Giving us this prayer as well. Uh, the Bible keeps teaching us that there is so much wisdom gained when every day we know we have to come to God. It keeps us close to Him. It keeps us dependent on Him. It makes us pray more. I know we'd prefer not to do this. We'd prefer to have just extra savings in, in our bank, an emergency fund. We, we, we'd rather have a, a couple of extra days of food instead of trusting God every day for our daily bread. Do you understand this principle of, of learning to trust God and depend on Him every day? Do you, do you understand that principle? But it doesn't come naturally to us, does it? Now, hear me very carefully. 
I don't think the Bible teaches us that all of us should give away all of our savings and never invest anything. If it were teaching that, many of the verses in Proverbs would make no sense whatsoever. <laughs> it talks sometimes about saving and wise investing and things like that. And even Jesus, when he taught us how to pray and say, trust God for your daily bread, and then he would say, don't worry. One of the examples he used is said, be like birds. And you know, a part of the way that God provides for birds is that birds store up in the winter. And so for us as human beings, it's in the Proverbs a lot. He's given us this ability to, to plan and think strategically. And a part of the provision is our ability to do that wisely and well. What he is saying, though, is that when that happens, view it all as simply a gift from God. And welcome those times when you wake up in the morning and, and, and there are things you just desperately need and you're just going to have to depend upon him today or it's not going to happen. Pray for you to be in situations where you're going to have to trust God and find that he is there. I, I want to say this too. I am convinced from reading um, the rest of the book of Proverbs and I'm, um, I'm convinced especially from reading the book of Acts that when people pray, Lord, uh, today don't make me too poor, that one of the way God does his work is through a community like ours. I don't know how I can read uh, the New Testament without seeing that God plants churches like ours in neighborhoods and brings all sorts of people. And that sometimes you'll have nothing, but you have a family. And sometimes you'll have a lot, and then you'll see other family members uh, who are homeless or don't know where the next meal is coming. He puts us together. And when we see it all comes from him, we need to have, I'm, I'm sure he's teaching us, eyes to actually let God use us to answer prayer. Does that make sense to you? I'll show you my favorite verse about this. It's in Proverbs 19.17. Proverbs 19.17. It is so clear. It's worth having a whole sermon on. But here's what he says. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. Does, does that make sense to you? That a person prays and God is going to provide but he may provide through you. Whoever gives to the poor lends to the Lord to do his work. He, he puts us together. The Lord will repay you for this sort of thing. Uh, so uh, that's the first thing I think all of us should learn to do, to learn to live each day dependent upon the Lord, which will make it so that we use what we have in ways that honor the Lord. And then key number two for all of us, uh, I hope you'll make your deepest prayer each day of your life a longing to honor God no matter what situation you are in. And, and, and if that first part, give me today the daily bread, was in the middle of the prayer, at the very end of the prayer, I will not dishonor God. All right, when, when Agur asked not to be too poor, he didn't want to dishonor God uh, by stealing and not living the way God created him to live. And uh, the same thing is true for us. In those times when things are going wrong and people watch how we handle it, Will they see people who are confident and trusting God and continuing to keep the ways of God and continuing to be faithful and worship and continue, you know, all those things? Or do they see a person who just responds to the hardship like everybody else? His prayer, and I want your prayer to be, whatever happens, Lord, today I want my life to honor and glorify you. What happens when we have enough or too much? Well, so many times people watch us and say, well, there's no difference in the way they handle that. They take personal credit for it. 
way they treat their people in the workplace is the same as everybody else does. The way they treat their employees is exactly the same as, as other people. And God isn't honored and glorified by that. To see the deepest longing of our hearts is that the world may watch us and see eulogy virtues <laughs> that come out in, in what we do. Eulogy virtues that, that make us thankful when we have something and confident in the Lord when we don't. You see, sometimes we need to recognize that the situations we most pray for and long for are not wise places for us. And we often pray and ask for things that make us less dependent upon God. And our prayer should simply be, Lord, I want to know your presence. I want to depend upon you. And I want people to see your glory in and through me wherever you put me. So I wrote down the bottom line of the teaching in Proverbs about money is this. You live wisely, one, when you live day by day in complete dependence on God. And number two, that when you have possessions, you do as much good as is possible with the money that God has entrusted to you. You further his kingdom. When we make those things parts of our daily living, it, it starts building us from the inside out in, into a confident, faith-filled Jesus followers. I think David Brooks could come to our church and, and say, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. People who not only talk this thing, but live it. Our lives will bring glory to God. So I'll leave you with this when you pray. Lord, two things. Two things I want to pray for today. As long as I live each day of my life, I pray that these two things may be developing in my life. And keep me away from deception as I do. Lord, don't make me either poor or rich. Give me only the bread I need each day so that I might honor you. To his glory. Amen. May I lead us in prayer? Father, we started by singing about your greatness, how great you are. We have taken time now to open our ears to your word. I pray I've been faithful to it. Now, Father, use this word to speak to each one of us. Father, we, we pray that as we leave this place today, people may watch us and see our trust in you, may actually see your ways in and through us. So, Father, in whatever situation we are now, financially, help us to see how we should live that you might receive the honor and the glory and the praise. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.